Welcome. You're listening to The Sacristy, a podcast where we seek to learn, discuss, and exult in the faith delivered once for all to the saints as it has been passed down in the Anglican tradition. I'm Father Matthew Ainsley, the vicar of All Souls Episcopal Church, a church plant in Horizon West, Florida. And I'm joined by my high-grade (laughs) co-host... Father David Bumstead, Rector of Emmanuel Episcopal Church in the Audubon Park neighborhood of Orlando, Florida. We're real priests with real jobs and real churches, and service times are in our bio. We'd love for you to join us for worship if you're ever in town. And since we live in the most popular tourist destination in the world, (laughs) it's very likely that you will be in town at some point. point. So come see us. Or don't. Please do. do. (laughs) Hey! Hey, man! In a bit. We didn't quit. We haven't stopped. <laughs> it's We've been busy. It's been busy. Well, uh, and many of our listeners have already been aware of what you've been up to and have maybe even enjoyed our uh, All Souls launch special, which is an explanation of what has kept your calendar uh, full. Yes. Um so that that's a that's a kind of great segue for uh, for where have we been? What have we been up to uh, as November has gone without so much uh, a full episode from the Sacristy podcast? So what what have we been doing? Father has been planning a church. Yes. How's it going? It's going very very well. Uh, I'm super excited about what the Lord has done and is doing. Our launch team's doing great which that's like our core group of people right. that we're meeting together. We're being formed. And before we've really got the word out to the community, we're already having some visitors and people wanting to be a part of what we're doing. And so it's really, really been neat. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, some funny things have happened. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the first Sunday, I mean, I was working like down to the minute you know, everyone's got questions for you. For those for those of our listeners who don't know, I mean, this 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 is not they're not meeting in a church building. They don't they didn't just like build a church and then start meeting in it. The congregation is worshiping in a place that's not necessarily just a church, right? Yeah, we're meeting at Bay Lake Elementary School. Yeah, in a cafeteria that's also an auditorium, a cafetorium, if you will. Uh, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> And so we have to set up and tear down and, you know, all of us are, are learning and until you do it, you know, you don't really know what it's going to be like. Right. And so I was kind of a hot mess. As great as the first service was, like, I didn't get my Amazon. You can see that from the pictures. <laughs> I didn't get that far. It's like, all right, we got to go throw the chasm on and just go for it. And then during announcements... Uh, apparently, or evidently rather, my cincture was not tied too tight because it fell down to my ankles during announcements and I <laughs> literally kicked it to my wife. Like she was sitting a few, where people were laughing at me. I'm laughing. I didn't even try to put it back on, just kicked it over. So, and mulligan. <laughs> for, for folks who don't know all the words for all the vestments that we wear, the cincture is the is the rope girdle or belt that we that we put on uh, at, not only as priests but all the sacred ministers tend to wear one too but if you can imagine this this joy filled priest vicar rocking through the first part of the service and then at, at the midpoint where announcements are made he's kicking i didn't realize he kicked it off 
You literally kicked your signature to your wife. I think I kind of kicked it to the side and then I picked it up. But yeah, there was definitely like some pushing it, so I didn't trip over it. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. It's kind of like your liturgical underwear falling off. I mean, that's kind of how it. The, the it's about as it's a. a it's pretty so, bad. Yeah, if something embarrassing is going to happen, investment wise, it's probably going to have to do with the cincture. Yeah, that's awesome. Which I'm sure you've had. Oh, I, mean, I know you never make any liturgical mistakes or gaps. Oh, I make them every week, Father. <laughs> it's not as good as a cincture falling off, but not too long ago, I set the book wrong and uh, to a. a a preface as part of the sung part of the mass and i didn't know the preface because it's in the this is a little bit more uh, more or less uh technical but it was the simple tone as versus the solemn tone for the for the preface mm-hmm. ask your priest uh and i don't know it and i winged it and it was bad yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> there can always be some fun stuff as always with the book if you know, you're slow, or if the pointer is slow getting to the, right. the next part of the liturgy, you can just hold out a word. If you if you're if you're not a cleric and listening to this, and you're, if you're interested in engaging with your cleric, don't call out their mistakes because that's kind of gauche. Uh, I actually have one youth who always, whenever I cough or my voice might crack during the chanting, inevitably I'm going to hear about it at a youth group. So maybe not call us out for making mistakes unless they're like really funny. Um, like I said, it's a little gauche, but you know, hey, what happened today at the mass to uh, that was kind of a mistake? I always think that that's kind of funny to talk about with people. Most people don't even notice, but uh, we take it. We we they they keep us up at night. Whatever you do, do confidently. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's if, right. if I'm on a different road i just stay on that road i act like nothing's wrong and 99.9 percent of the people do not notice maybe that well maybe that'll be a topic for another podcast is just a a, a day of liturgical gaffes we've made because it would fill it would fill an entire episode obviously <laughs> <laughs> and maybe encourage uh fellow uh priest I hope it would encourage them. But they're not the yeah, only ones. Because exactly. when you make a mistake, you're like, I'm probably the only person in history that's done something that bad. But then you talk to people and, and realize you're, yeah. you're not alone. That's right. That's right. Well, and along uh, as people have waited for uh, for some a full episode, we were very blessed to find out how many people have been listening. So uh, we're up to how many listens now, Father? Over 2,000. I don't know how far over 2,000. Several. <laughs> yeah, I think like a million. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> at that. We're probably at a mil by now. Mil by now. But it, but no, in seriousness, uh, you know, we, we like, we love to see our, 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 uh, our list of places where people are, are listening to um, us. You know, the, the, we find all kinds of um, new communities people in communities uh, finding our podcast that's so wonderful and of course for us 2000 listens as a small podcast is is very exciting and so i'm 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 very thankful i know father matt is for your continued support and taking a chance to put us on in your commute or while you're doing dishes or while you're um pray i don't know what else what else what where, where else would you listen to a podcast cutting the grass cutting the grass Sometimes yeah, that's what i do too you gotta have good headphones though yeah Lawnmowers are loud. Yeah. Beats by Dre, right? That's what I cut the grass on. Okay. So, all not, right. We're here. We are recording the Tuesday. Is today Tuesday? It's Tuesday. The Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Yes. So, before we jump 
into the calendar, we are going to begin with the collect for Thanksgiving Day. Father David, the Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Father, we give thee thanks for the fruits of the earth in their season and for the labors of those who harvest them. Make us, we beseech thee, faithful stewards of thy great bounty, for the provision of our necessities and the relief of all who are in need. To the glory of thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, looking at the uh, looking at the calendar, one of uh, a personal favorite of, of mine, uh, but also uh, basically a who's who of like the first thousand years of the church. I mean, this is sort of the Avengers yeah. endgame. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking bad, at yeah. the beginning of. <laughs> Uh, December in particular, it's yeah. like end of November, beginning of December. It's like wow, yeah. they really packed all they the really good did. ones they in really there did. together. Well, <laughs> and as we finish up uh, November, November twenty eighth is the feast day of uh, King Kamehameha uh, and his queen Emma. They're king and queen of Hawaii from the mid nineteenth century. Um, known for being pious Hawaiian monarchs, uh, they removed. Uh, they went. They came to England. Uh, at, you know, after after uh, after being promulgated to the throne, and they came to um, to see England and were really, especially King Kamehameha, was really moved by um, the majesty and and of of English churches, and he found in English Christianity a, a, a sort of cultural consonance with the majesty of um, Hawaiian and indigenous uh, thought uh, and even theology. And so he fell in love with English Christianity because he felt like it was so close to uh, the way that Hawaiians thought about nature, about God and all these things. And so when you read about these folks, it's um, it's very moving to read about King Kamehameha, whose, whose piety was, was really well known uh, and whose Christianity flourished uh, in, in the islands. Um, King Kamehameha is also one of the best words in the world to say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so it, there's actually some very, very old churches, uh, Episcopal churches out in, um, out in Hawaii, which is really cool. On November 30th, a major feast of the church, uh, remembering St. Andrew, Apostle and Martyr. He, of course, was the brother of St. Peter, apostle. He was crucified on an X-shaped cross. So, for example, um, if you are in the Mass and you hold your hands like you should as a priest and as a server, and then you make that little X, oftentimes you'll hear priests call that a St. Andrew's cross. And any X in a church is probably called a St. Andrew's cross. So that's because of the manner in which he was martyred. On December 4th, the church remembers St. John of Damascus from the uh, uh, died year 760. He was as an ascetic, a scholar and priest. He famously defended the use of icons against the iconoclasts. And it's amazing. If you want to just read some stuff oh, about... Oh, yeah, it's so good. Because it's all rooted in the incarnation. Right. You know, we talked about this in our episodes on creeds and councils. Nicaea too, which was about icons, mm. isn't sort of this afterthought where, you know, the first six ecumenical councils were about Jesus, and then we have sort of this random one about icons, all connected right. to the person and work of Jesus and how that changed the, the cosmos, the image of the invisible God, the icon of God the Father, and then also he he's got some great stuff on the cross and typology. Real quick, this is super short. But he, in talking about the cross, he says, The tree of life, which was planted by God in paradise, 
prefigured mm. this precious cross. For since by a tree was death, it was fitting also that life and resurrection should be bestowed by a tree. Yeah, that's really cool. And so like common and patristic thought is, is that sort of strange paradoxical, um, you know, finding, finding the ways that kind of the, the, that the scriptures fit together. I love that. On December 5th, the church remembers Clement of Alexandria who's a um, third century uh, priest and scholar. He was an influential teacher and preacher in uh, the city of Alexandria and his work prepared the way for one of Father Matt's favorites for origin, uh, his, his teaching. So, um, very, very cool stuff there. Uh, December 6th, the church remembers Nicholas of Myra, died year 342. Beloved bishop of his age, was. we know that he was present at the Council of Nicaea. Now, Father Matt, do you know the pious, maybe not so pious myth about uh, Bishop Nick at, at, at the Council of Nicaea? I mean, this is really what makes Santa Claus so great. <laughs> the, ori- the original St. Nicholas... <laughs> It, as the story goes, he actually punched uh, the arch heretic Arius at the Council of Nicaea. Yeah, which I believe is true. I hope it's true. I want it to be true because it's just a pretty amazing well, story. Yeah. And I like to picture him in like a red suit, just like in a Santa suit, <laughs> like kind of like kind of like an, a sort of elf scene when Will Ferrell fights it. That that sort of thing, reverse maybe. I always wonder. <laughs> I always want see I you know I always heard that it wasn't necessarily Arius but an Arian like but in any case I mean it's a it's a legend right so there's so many permutations of it like did he did he did he like you know jaw punch him did he punch him in the gut you know like where would Nick where would this beloved bishop punch an Arian did he square up did he warn him did he sucker punch him did he these are important these are questions. important questions of life of the church they're not they're really I just not, figured, <laughs> I finally figured out what I want to write my dissertation on. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just something about this event. Maybe the, the fighting style. Um, was he a black belt? Do we know? Probably not. I don't think karate was invented yet. <laughs> he wasn't going to the local karate studio across the street? No. I don't when think it council, existed. When the council was on intermissions? Hey guys, I'm going to go get in a class. <laughs> in any case, he was, in fact, a beloved bishop. Um, and there is... Multiple wonderful pious legends abound about him. Uh, they're worth your time, as we often say, and especially uh, because Nicholas was uh, so well known as a generous bishop and really did take care of all the people in his diocese. Uh, there's a great story about um, a, a poor father and his daughters that I hope that if you hear that, those words are coming out of my mouth, that inspires you to Google search that. It's worth taking a look at um and uh definitely somebody who is um a type of christ in our, in in the modern not in the modern era but uh in the early period of the church finally on december 7th the church remembers ambrose of milan who died not too long after nicholas 397 uh, he was uh i mean this guy's a legend i mean <laughs> ambrose of milan is like just it, what an amazing story he was the bishop of milan but he was Fast-tracked for ordination. He wasn't even baptized. He grew up in a Christian family, but he wasn't yet baptized. Uh, But he was a Roman governor, and everybody loved him because he was like, yeah, we ought to follow the rule of law when things were kind of falling apart there for a little bit. And so they elected him to be bishop when when they needed a coadjutor. 
Um, but he wasn't even baptized, so they had to baptize him and ordain him twice, even to get him consecrated as a bishop. Uh, so, and he didn't run. He was elected from the floor without being on the slate, which I just love. I think that's so great. And then, you so know, what have you done with your life? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then from being there, I mean, like he and and you know, uh, and then he becomes this this just sort of incredible teacher, preacher, and liturgist. He's um, known for standing up against uh, you know Roman imperial authority uh, for the sake of the poor for the gospel uh, he's known as this incredible preacher I mean Saint Augustine is his most famous protege who like sat and heard him preach and was you know to use a Wesleyan term his heart was strangely moved by the by the preaching of the gospel by this great bishop and you know it's it's just an incredible story it's so it's so incredible it must be true and it, there's there's really not been very few things since and like it so um ambrose awesome dude so again wow i mean yeah, that, what, a a, lot. What, what a lineup yeah it speaks to the strength of the sanctuary calendar when we see all these luminaries um which is a great transition we talk we're talking about calendar today as we look basically we're less than a week from the first sunday of advent it begs the question i think um you know, we're, we often talk about the sanctoral calendar, you know, the saints and those folks. But what about the rest of the church year? Why why do we observe the church year? What's important to us about the church year as Christians? Well, it's one of the things that led me into the ancient faith. And one of the things that led me into Anglicanism, one of the things that I'm excited about. Yeah, definitely. Is this, this idea, this rhythm that our life is centered on the person of Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ, because what is the Christian year except this journey through uh, the life of our Lord? Right. And, you know, I think of um, what in Ephesians where it talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Like how, how do we, we are people of the age to come. We just had Christ the King Sunday. Yeah. Like our, our Lord is Jesus. And so the rhythm of our life should be under his Lordship and about who he is and what he's done. Not just like running to the next thing. Right. Because the church year has some overlap with, you know, the kind of normal, what we would call normal rhythm of like the calendar, the year, but not always. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, uh, one of the things that I think, you and I both delight in is that when we think of Advent, we think of the new liturgical year. It's really like, you know, you start your sermon on Advent one and it's like, well, happy new year guys. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? It's like first or second of December or late November, you know, but we're, we're actually saying that this liturgical year is a way of measuring a time that draws us deeper into the life of Christ so that we can be conformed to his pattern, uh, even as it moves more or less with the pattern of, I don't want to call it secular life, but, but life in general. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. There's a great book, you know, for people who they come from an evangelical background, they may be interested in liturgy. They may be attracted to it, or maybe they're even horrified mm -hmm. by it, <laughs> but they want to understand you know, this whole liturgy thing. It's a book called Beyond Smells and Bells by uh, Mark Galley. And he has a great thing 
a great excerpt that I'm going to read real quick from the, the church calendar. And, and he talks, he starts by uh, pointing out its purpose that he says that the church calendar aims at nothing less than to change the way we experience time and perceive reality. For the church, January 1st is not all that significant. Neither is September the start. Uh, so I of, guess I would disagree there because holy name is a, is, is a, good, is a good one. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like New Year's Day. Yeah, yeah, I know. Neither is September the start of school for most of us in the West, although it may feel like the start of a new year. For the church, Advent signals the new year. Right. For the church, the annual rhythm is not winter, spring, summer, and fall, but Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost. The church calendar is not about the cycle of life, school, or sports, or harvest time, but about the movement of history toward a glorious goal. We celebrate the past events of salvation history, not merely to remember them, but to note how they infuse the present with meaning and power and point us to our future hope. Yeah, I love how that ends. Infusing the present with power, you know. Um, so again, we may be conform, conformed to the pattern of Christ, not only, you know, as a kind of ornamentation on our life, but something that we actually imbibe deeply of, so so deeply that it becomes really a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've already experienced some of that, of just how we can mark our time. And, you know, we have significant... And he talks about in his book, you know, we might have significant events in in sports history that kind of live in the minds of the the fans of various cities, particularly, you know, big cities in the in the states or elsewhere. And, you know, I I made that joke about Avengers Endgame and like all (laughs) these superheroes. But like we have something that's like that, but is even better that, you know, December 4th isn't like just like a day. Right. It's this feast of St. John of Damascus or right. any other day, you know, he gives the example of June 24th, not just June 24th. It's the nativity of St. John the Baptist. And so how we can just, we're going to talk a little bit about like, how do we do that in the modern world that a lot of times is running by a different rhythm right. or, or it's actually arrhythmic. There's really not much of a rhythm at all. Right. right. Like how do we live in the Christian year and do this in the world in which we find ourselves. Right. And Advent being the beginning of a new new year, it's a really good way to to, to start that conversation uh, because Advent, you know, it's usually December when it ha- when it starts. It really does. It really is a, a great contrast to what we see, in, like the December we find in Target, for example. So, real quick, what is Advent? Is it this year just it's from december 1st to 24th is it just 24 days to shop <laughs> i mean <laughs> like what what are we talking about is yeah. it warm up for christmas like the opening act or how, the, what is it the word the word itself is interesting right cuz we don't really use the word advent much in english anymore we we used to it beforehand but we might see it more often in literature nowadays but advent really means like you know the coming of right so that begs the question, well, the coming of who or what? Well, Christmas is the first coming, the first coming of our Lord in the Nativity. And whenever we read through 
the, the scriptures, we, we realize that Israel is preparing for a Messiah, uh, um, you know, incompletely, problematically at times. But Israel's real hope is found in the, in, in the Messiah, and they're really, really getting ready for it. And especially in the first parts of the gospel read, uh, readings, we see the people flooding out to the Judean countryside to get ready. And they do that by meeting with John the Baptist. And that's one of the ways that they're getting ready, I suppose we could say. So there's a sense of preparation that ancient Israel was participating in as they awaited the coming of the Messiah. And after the coming of the Messiah, the, at, at, the, at the nativity and throughout his, his, his great ministry, cross and resurrection, um, Jesus promised that he would be back, which we would call another advent. We, the, the advent of the church as it awaits uh, his coming is yet more time of preparation. In fact, we could even say that the entirety of Christian life is preparation for his coming again. There is a sense in the entirety of the Christian spiritual life of awaiting, of being present to his coming, um, which I've always found very compelling. Um, even if it seems like, well, it's been 2,000 years, where is he? It's a great question, I suppose. But we do know through the uh, through being taking Scripture very seriously, the tradition very seriously, that it is a, a, a function of the Christian spiritual life to await Jesus Christ, his advent. So it's the first and the second coming. Yeah, yeah. So we're, yeah. Pre- we're preparing to to meet the Lord afresh in a new liturgical year. And that preparation involves uh, repentance. I mean, John the Baptist is such a central, he's a central figure in Advent. Yeah. And he brings repentance and then subsequently and consequently joy. And there's also within Advent, making the making explicit of what's always implicit in the entire Christian life is that, you have to prepare to encounter God. And so if we really want to be moved and transformed uh, and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus through the celebration of his nativity, we don't sort of just like waltz into that event, nor would we, when he comes to judge the living and the dead, we'd be like, hey, what's up, man? No, we, we prepare ourselves. You know, I always think of, you know, when I think about preparation, I always think of, um, the early chapters of Joshua and they're preparing to cross right. the Jordan river into uh, the promised land. And Joshua, what three, five, he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Like you have to, and of course he has some ceremonial things according to the law in right. mind, but that's a principle of to encounter God you have to prepare or you might, as many in Israel did in Jesus' time, not know the day of your visitation. Right. You'll miss it. Yeah. And I don't yeah. wanna I, I don't I, wanna I, miss I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna miss it liturgically. Yeah. I wanna experience uh the incarnation afresh and have my my union with God further deep than that of the whole church. And I, I certainly don't wanna miss uh, the arrival of our Lord at the end of the age. Right. Yeah. And, but, you know, I think there's a, there's a, 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 a once again, a contrast, you know, um, not to say that, you know, Christian people should avoid the Christmas party or anything like that. I, I, I don't want to say that, but I do believe that Advent should have a more penitential mood. 
uh, a more introspective mood, a time of spiritual preparation. It's more intentional time of prayer, perhaps even fasting. Um, well, how will we begin our services on Sunday morning coming up? Well, with what? Both of us and, per, and I think many other uh, parishes across across the church will begin with something called the penitential order, which means that instead of um, a gloria or a hymn of praise, we begin with the confession of sin and the announcement of God's absolution. And that's a sense to say that we, we come in here limited by our sin, but we know and will receive God's absolution in Christ. Um, and we will meet him, right? And that's one of the fun things about, uh, you know, the scholars, we've already mentioned this a million times, the already not yet aspect mm-hmm. of, of Advent is that we, as we await Jesus, we still are able to experience life in and with him, uh, with his very presence in the sacrament. Sure. Well, you hit on something a second ago of, okay, like, how do we, how do we do this? If I'm going to keep a good Advent... Does that mean when I check out at Target and they say Merry Christmas, I say, no, not Merry Christmas. It's still Advent. <laughs> I would think you could do that. I Is that the it's... proper thing? Because I said this to my church during my sermon on Sunday. I said, you know, we're going to be entering this new year and, and this new liturgical year, this season of Advent. And it's going to present a difficulty for us to really get into the spirit of Advent because the corporations, I mean, because Christmas decorations have been up for two months already. Yeah. Well, and, especially and, and, in Orlando, right? So, <laughs> yeah. How are we going to stop and prepare when the yeah. rest of the world around us is already singing Christmas songs and watching Hallmark movies and decking out their houses in shiplap been, a la <laughs> Joanna Gaines? <laughs> Well, Netflix is like Netflix's main moneymaker, and and now Disney Plus has uh, has like these cheesy Christmas movies, right? And uh, which you know I have to say I love, but um, that well I think <laughs> to answer your first question, should I get in the person's face at Target or Starbucks? It's Advent, not Merry, you know all that stuff. It's just not really helpful um, because most of those folks uh, don't really. They probably don't have a living relationship with Jesus, or they might. Uh, but maybe just maybe just be nice. This <laughs> is sort of good, uh, or be kind. I should say, be kind to those who are in. Barista, where's my purple and or blue cup? <laughs> yeah, where's my sarum blue top for my Starbucks cup? Uh, it's not gonna happen. Uh, no, I, I think that there's ways. I mean, we can do this in the church by being particularly present to the to the litur- liturgical changes in Advent. Um, the penitential mood in worship, I think, is, is, I think, as priests, we should be highlighting that, and and congregations um, should do their best to be uh, observant of that, uh, to 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 notice the the changes, and some of them are maybe even uncomfortable. I know in my own parish, uh, one of the practices that I do, a little bit idiosyncratic, but I like it. Um, we incorporate the prayer of humble access from the right one or the 28, actually use the 28 prayer book uh, text in, in both right one and right two um, observations of the, of the mass. And um, I think that helps the people understand that there's a little bit, there's a little bit more introspection to be done. There's a little bit more examination to use uh, a word from spiritual formation. Um, Again, that greater focus while we're at church, you know, the whole world is abuzz with um, 
just noise. You know, um, one of one of the great one of the one of the horrendous things I think is, you know, when you walk into a place and you I hear you know Christmas carols and I love Christmas carols. They're my favorite. I mean, honestly, um, but they're so loud, uh, and the world is just loud right now. To find a place of quiet or perhaps a greater focus while we're in church, while we're in our prayer, to to, to find places of of silence, of peace, as we seek to draw closer to Jesus, uh, even as we await His coming. Uh, I I really like the practice, for example, of having an Advent wreath um, at home. Um, just one more extra little step. I mean, you can do an Advent wreath devotion, and I think like what five minutes um you know if, if if you're out there uh in listening to this and saying well where can i get that um the church has them when we we want to I, I know that i think uh, we're both gonna make them available to our our our, our congregations it's just a, a a little devotional time before dinner or, or right before bed to acknowledge um you know this season sure um to acknowledge the goodness of of god's working and his messiah and all of those things and, and it like literally takes five minutes um sure engaging in the life of the church you have personal devotions or family devotions of course if you're reading through the daily office lectionary right. that's going to further saturate you uh in that rhythm meditating upon the sunday lessons the eucharistic lectionary uh, praying daily the collects from the, the four Sundays. I mean, that puts yeah. you in the mindset of, okay, which we're going to pray at the end of this episode, right. you know, casting away the works of darkness, repentance, and then putting on the armor of light. When we put on the armor of light, you know, you know, I sound like a broken record. We, 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 we all do. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's a song I grew up singing in church. It's like, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And, like, that's so <laughs> yeah. simple, and that can become so trite. But it, that's how we put on the armor of light is by communing yeah. with God in prayer and in his word. Man, that's essential. And that's going to form us in the life of Christ instead of, I think, the narratival confusion of, of our world and, and noise and loudness. Not yeah. that it's all bad. Right. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll drink an eggnog, eggnog latte probably next week. Who knows? <laughs> But that should not be the dominant right. narrative of my life. And I can say, okay, I'm preparing to, to fully enjoy all of this in, in a few weeks. And, and not just the commercialism of it, but the, as you were saying during lunch, like God's generosity and giving his son, Jesus Christ, for right. the life of the world. Yeah. Um, and all that to say, you know, again, I don't want to come from a place of, of bah humbug. Um, because I, I think that one of the great, the great ways that Christians can witness to the greatness of, of, of our King Jesus is really by like really fully understanding what Christmas really is, which is coming, what Advent really is. And so when people joyously approach you on December 9th and it's in the, myth of ad, myth of the, the middle of Advent, they're like, Merry Christmas. And you're like, shut up, happy Advent. <laughs> You know, maybe just say Merry Christmas back because to announce the joy of of, of, of a Merry Christmas is to announce the joy of the Messiah, which is really the point of our proclamation anyway, right? 
So, you know, Merry Christmas in its way becomes a little tiny evangelistic tool, uh, even if it seems so basic and trite sometimes. But that's just me. Yeah, I think we have an opportunity to, of course, we, we have to call out things when they've gone amiss. Sure. But I think we have an opportunity to take that excitement and build on it and say, hey, it actually means this much more than you're right. thinking. It's actually even you're excited about this. It's even bigger than that. Yeah. There's this whole season of preparing for it because it's such a big deal. It's the biggest deal in the world that God became man so that we could be united with him. Yeah. And that's, you know, as we kind of close up this segment, you know, I think it's important for us, therefore, to remember that the, the keeping Advent intentionally as a penitential introspective season is really meant to be a source of, of Christian virtue and not as a source of what we, what, what was the word we use in curmudgeonliness or something, <laughs> you know, like, you know, uh, the, the, the person on Twitter or at Starbucks, like, you know, throwing down, uh, you know, dunks on people who were saying Merry Christmas or getting uh, super upset about this specificness. It really what uh, the penitential mood of Advent should produce in us is the joy of Christ uh, and a desire to draw people into that same joy. So, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I do. I, I, I leave my Christmas tree down until Christmas. But I do that not to say how awesome I am as a Christian or as a sort of traditional Christian, but because I want to highlight the importance of Advent and my life and really celebrate the season of Christmas itself in the, in the sort of like idiosyncratically calendrical way that you know is available to me in the church not so that i can go dunk on people who say merry christmas in october yeah i don't want to do that i i do want to do that i know i shouldn't do that (laughs) yeah Yeah, i don't say anything to people i just hiss at them (laughs) i just go (laughs) merry christmas man oh that's weird (laughs) (laughs) harrison I just remember uh, one time. This is this is a way off, but I remember I was here. In, we go. I was in Trader Joe's, and you know I, I go just about everywhere in my collar, and and you know it's always a, a sort of source of adventure and, and frivolity. But the person in front of me, the the um, the lady who works there, goes, you know, Happy Holidays, which was I, I thought a nice thing to uh, you just finish the the commerce and somebody says happy holidays and and i'm like right on yeah we got the feast of saint john's yeah, damascus exactly. the feet of saint clement of got, alexandria all, got all these, kinds yeah, of holy days we got all kinds of holy rock days and coming. roll yeah sounds great <laughs> i just take it like that that's why not sure <laughs> uh but the person in front of me looks at my collar and goes yeah but we know what you really mean which you know, it's not enough to say happy holidays. I'm like, this is happening right in front of me. This is a couple of years ago. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, happy holidays, dude. Happy holy days. It's fine. You know? And I said, Merry Christmas to you, to both of the, both the lady who was getting screamed at by this person. Who's, I don't know if they ever really go to church, but that's, that was their hill to die on in the day. Um, and, and the person who's leaving, who's like, yeah, I really got that cashier at Trader Joe's. Who's trying to work hard to pay their bills. <laughs> saying happy i mean like what are you doing really anyway it's a rant i'm sorry folks (laughs) just be nice to the people who serve you in stores and restaurants there (laughs) i mean i don't think we can get beyond 
you know, NSYNC's 1998 <laughs> Christmas album. <laughs> what? Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. That's the opening track. So, like, we're going to say Merry Christmas, but we're also going to recognize all the holy days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, well, like St. John of Damascus. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was just their the fullness of boy band devotion to the entire church year. Of course. That's what they had in mind. It's yeah. basically what we're talking about today. <laughs> Did they? Never mind. No, they were actually just handed those lyrics on a napkin. So, yeah, <laughs> they didn't. All right. We're going to get into Sermon First Pass. As we, you know, like we said and have been saying is that this this portion of the church year is, in fact, I think a lot of, it's because of the intention of Advent, um, the preachers mostly kind of breathe a sigh of relief, I think, at this point, because the texts are much more inclined towards a theme, whereas during the green season of Pentecost, it can be quite the grab bag. Um, so now that we have the theme of Advent to really latch onto, we can we can really draw some beautiful, beautiful things out of the texts in front of us. Um, one of the things that I looked at or I, I noticed about um, the texts as they work together is this sense of delight in the in the guarantee of the coming of the Lord. Like the idea that God will be with us and that things will be different when he's here. But also plugging in Romans where there is that sense of, well, we've got to do something before he gets there. Sure. Right? The dinner party is going to be awesome. I can't wait to eat all that food. But in order for the dinner party to happen, I got to, I got to clean the house and get the dishes ready. Well, before we dive in, what are the lessons? Sure. Um, should have done that first. The church will read Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. Uh, we'll read Psalm 122, Romans 13, 11 through 14, and Matthew 24, 36 through 44. And again, you can find those in the Revised Common Lectionary, lectionarypage.net, or the back of your prayer book. I don't think it differs from the RCL during Advent. We just kind of had this text, that, a similar text from Luke. Uh, as this gospel uh, from Matthew, but uh, just to read it, Jesus said to his disciples, but about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the son, but only the father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be coming uh, the coming of the son of man. Um, I can't help but think about the year 2011. I don't always preach about this, but it, do you remember in 2011 or so, there was that fella Harold camping? Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And there was, um, you know, placards up and billboards out. And it was like. He had predicted the day. The, the day. The world. Yeah. And then it came and didn't. And then he predicted another day and it came and went. And then he like went in exile or something. And I just, you, you kind of feel bad because Jesus, you feel bad for that guy because Jesus says, don't do that. You err because you don't know the scriptures. Right. Our Lord said, no man knows the hour. Yeah. Uh, and here he is like on a billboard with a countdown to the hour, you know, and it's like, um, and how destructive that was to so many people's lives, right? The point is not the, the hour and the time. The point is that we are 
in the process as Christians of being prepared, uh, working consonantly with grace so that, you know, uh, you know, we'll be ready for the son of man is coming at an unexpected hour. Yeah. Right. And, and there's this clarion call, if you will, for us to be ready. I mean, the language of Paul and Romans, you need to wake from your sleep. Oh yeah. Like we are those yeah. who have been resurrected. We are not children of darkness. We're children of the light because all of these things about, you know, it's, it's going to come like a thief in the night. The, the understanding is, it's going to come on those who are unprepared. You don't need to be one of those who are unprepared. You need to, to walk as children of the light uh, now because the time is near. I was reading through uh, you know, one of the four horsemen of the Oxford movement, John <laughs> Key, one of John Keeble's uh, sermons, and he was just talking about you know, it's, it's time to wake up and it's time to get, get ready because it, it's going to be soon for all of us. We were talking about this at lunch, the brevity of life. Right. Of like, we need to prepare our souls to, to meet the Lord. But then also, I mean, we are, as Paul says, we're closer to the day of salvation than when we first believed. Yeah. Even though if we feel like it's been for a long time, uh, to God, it hasn't been a long time. And then also Peter teaches us, I think this was in, in last year's Advent readings, that God's not slow in fulfilling his promises. Right. It's for our good. It's because he's merciful. Yeah, and he, that's right. And that he, wa- he, wants, yeah. he wants to give us time to repent so that we can be sons and daughters of the light. I think, you know, maybe as a side note, but I think repentance gets a kind of weird, bad rap at times. And I think we forget, especially in the New Testament, I think we forget that like repentance is this major gift given to the Gentiles. Like the, the fact and the ability, the possibility of being able to turn back to God in Christ and what an incredible, like infinite blessing that is um, rather than, you know, just stopping sinning, right? Like don't sin anymore. Um, don't be a bad boy or girl, but repentance is like, we actually have an avenue to be, in the life of grace, grace with Christ, um, and I think that's something that maybe we could highlight during Advent is the the the, the blessing and guarantee of repentance. Absolutely. And also, stop reveling in drunkenness, and don't be uh, in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarrel and jealousy. So stop that, guys. Yeah. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I love this, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Yeah. I mean, th- if that's not a call to an, an ascetic life where we're eschewing the ways of the world, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I'm really just going to basically do this podcast and my sermon. <laughs> I, I want to highlight some things about the Christian year and just talk about what Advent is. Sure. And then in some ways just echo the call of these lessons. It's calling people uh, to wake up and to, to ready and, and even before we get to John the Baptist, it's this is preparing the way for the coming of the Lord in the, in the life of the church. For those preachers that are interested in the Psalter, Father Matt, what, what do you make of, what would, how, how would we find an Advent mood in the Psalter this week? I think there's that, I think there's that, that, um, that idea of going to the house of the Lord 
Mm-hmm. Right, that first, the Psalm 122 begins with, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So there's that sense of journey, that sense of, of walking there. And then verse 2, now our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is built as a city that is at unity with itself. There's that sense of dwelling, mm-hmm. the sense of, of God being with his people in that holy city. Um for there are the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David, again recalling us, I think, to the law and to 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 the, the covenant with, with Israel, which has implications for holiness. Yeah, it's it makes me think of of last Sunday even of sure. the arrival of the king means the arrival of the kingdom, which is the arrival of of justice and judgment and, and the positive. Mm-hmm. And so the house of the Lord, the temple, in our case, the church, is that place where heaven and earth overlap and interlock. And that's where we find that the peace of the age to come. Mm. And Christ seated at the right hand of God is the Prince of Peace. And it's it's where we find him. For the church is the body of our Lord. Yeah. And so if we want to live that Advent life, we want to we want to live in the light, well, we need to go where the light is which is in the, the body of Christ in the church. And we need to be glad. Say, oh, it's time it's time to go to church. I was glad when, when they said, hey, it's Sunday. <laughs> and we can go into the house of the Lord and be, be formed in his daytimer, if you will, right. and according to his rhythm uh, so that we can be people uh, of, that we can be Advent people, people who, who announce by the very way that we live the arrival of King Jesus. Yeah, that's excellent. So that's off the top of my head. Sure, no, that's <laughs> yeah. great. Well, I asked you point blank. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't even read it yet. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, you know, as we as we look towards uh, as we look towards this Sunday, you know, um, the the best way, in my opinion, to preach the first Sunday of Advent is to, as as you've indicated, as you've said already is to really draw people into the season, to spend that time in the pulpit. Yes, address the texts, always address the texts, never stray far from the texts. But in what way can the preacher, can we as priests, uh, can any preacher um, use those texts to highlight the beginning of this beautiful season? For me, Advent is actually my favorite liturgical season, not because I super love penitential seasons, but really because I think of how because I love Christmas so much. You know, I'm excited about the incarnation. I'm excited about the biblical story as Israel awaits the coming of, of her Messiah and the guarantee, once again, of repentance to the, to the Gentiles in the incarnation of Jesus. And then, of course, for me, I love Advent hymns. I love them. I, I get so excited when I get ready uh, for Advent liturgies when I see, oh, my organist has picked this, this stunning hymn. And, um, my favorite Advent hymn being "Lo, He Comes with uh, Clouds Descending," and and you know he he leaves that for me for Fourth Advent every year. Um, so using all of the tools at our disposal, the scriptures, the prayer book, the hymns, um, the colics. Oh my gosh, the colics to come, which we'll end with today, are so superlative. They're so gorgeous. Um, there's there really is no end to how many ways you could take your sermon. Yeah, and again, people's interest uh, are peaked. It's peaked 
because I mean, even Walmart, Target, coffee shops, they'll yeah. have Advent stuff. Even right. if no, people are like, oh, I guess that's just like pre-Christmas. I don't know what that is, but people are aware of this. And, and, and so it's a time where people are thinking about, people are thinking about church in December more than they are maybe any other month yeah. of the year. It's interesting. And we were talking about so, this before is that it's interesting that the amount of people who are unsure as to why we celebrate Christmas, uh, dear dear listeners, there's a lot of folks out there who don't realize that Christmas is celebrated because of the birth of Jesus. I hope that's news to you. I hope that's uh, that 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 you haven't had to live in that yet. Um, but because that's strange, it is also strange that like Advent calendars are becoming more common here in the states. It's a very common thing in Europe and especially in the UK. Uh, but people seeing the word Advent and calendar together is strange. Now, like, you know, what are those words? And it even seems mean? to be within the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. It has where you're just seeing them everywhere. Yeah. So it's in the consciousness. Like you say, people are more, they think that they're untethered. Uh, but there's a way for, I think Christians, church people, priests, lay people, everybody to draw um draw people into the life of the church through this kind of odd thing that we do during december yeah, yeah you can point and say yeah things pretty cool huh you want to hear more about it come to church on sunday or right. this is what we're doing and this is what it means there, there's ways to start conversations and engage people and let's not be and i'm preaching to myself yeah me too <laughs> we can be so negative like everyone out there is a militant atheist that doesn't <laughs> yeah. want to hear anything about Jesus. It's like, we don't know what God's doing in their life and in their heart. Right. And this might be the conversation where it opens them up to the things of God. And so just, just be out there. Don't be afraid of people seeing you as weird or being rejected. That's going to happen. So just like, accept yeah, Jesus it. said as much, but like be open to like, there's, there's a lot of people that genuinely are interested in the things of God. And so don't, don't back off from it. Yeah. You know. And well, and hiss at people. Yeah, and hiss at people. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, Father Matt, as we uh, as we finish today, I pray that you have uh, an excellent and wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. You as well. Let's pray with the first collect of Advent. Almighty God. Give, Give us, us grace, grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light, now in the time of this mortal life, in which thy Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty, to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal, through him who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right. All right. Well, thanks for your patience. And we'll be back soon. Promise. <laughs> Hopefully. And that was an awesome collect. Even oh, as we're so praying, good. I'm like, man, money. And that one's been around a while, too. So it helps. Time. All right. As always, we hope you have been edified and encouraged by our work. We hope you have a good Thanksgiving as well. Good Thanksgiving, and do not utter the words Christmas and Mary together <laughs> until 
At least your Christmas Eve service on December 24th. That's correct. And not a second before. Don't put up a Christmas tree. <laughs> Use an Advent shrub. 